Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Liz. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And if I just, you know, giggle at some point in my sermon, it's because of all your flashing, blinking, jingling festivities. <laughs> Um, it's distracting up here. You guys don't know what it looks like from up here to look on your beautiful, festive um, sweaters and faces. I'm kind of plain Jane, you know? Just got the one red sweater in my, Chris, in my closet. That's it. I don't have a lot of red. Someday, maybe I will uh, <laughs> find just the right sweater. Um, but this is all I got. One, one sweater I wear every year. <laughs> So this morning, we have come to our second week of Advent, and we're going to just go back in our mind for a moment, um, thinking and imagining of this scripture that uh, Marsha just read for us. So imagine that you are one of those shepherds. You're out there in the wilderness with your shepherd friends and all your sheep, your flocks, but it's your turn to uh, stay awake for the night shift, right? You're, you're giving some people some time off. Your other shepherds are catching some sleep. But it's your turn to stay up and watch the flocks during some of those wee hours of the night. And as you're kind of dozing in and out of sleep, suddenly this, this angel appears and and you're like, am I seen when I'm seen, or am I asleep? And you all of a sudden are just frozen because this angel appears with the glory of the Lord blazing behind him. And then suddenly, another whole host of angels comes and appears behind this angel. And they start singing to each other. They tell you, a Savior has been born. And the angels sing to each other, glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. This is that um, familiar song we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Hark is this, this word of, hey, listen up, I have a message for you. And, and Herald is announcing something, you know, like the Daily Herald, right? Newspapers are named after that sometimes. It's because there's an announcement. Hey, listen up, this angel is here to announce the Savior has been born. And he is bringing peace. And then the angels disappear, and your other shepherd friends have, have, a, have awoken as well, and you guys are trying to, to make sense of all of what just happened, and you say, yeah, let's go. Let's go to find this baby. Let's go see what God has done. So here we are celebrating the peace of Christ on the second week of Advent, that the Savior has brought peace. And when this happened historically in the scriptures, many were experiencing the lack of peace. 
So the Savior bringing peace was a, a sign of, of hope, of restoration from what they were experiencing. And you know, many of us can feel this too, right? There's this weird thing that happens during um, holidays and Christmas where anytime we're supposed to feel a certain way because it's expected of us during Christmas time, it can sometimes amplify any negative experience we might be having, right? So if you are feeling any kind of loss or um, just suffering or you have those circumstances in your life, it, it can amplify those things because although we can feel festive during Christmas, we can also feel the lack of those things. And Advent, what Advent does is it really speaks to that experience. Um, it speaks to that kind of shadowy experience where not all is right yet. We experience the kingdom in part, but not in full. And Advent is kind of like this valley between two mountain ranges, if you can imagine it. The first mountain range is, is like Jesus being born at Christmas, the first of his coming. And then there's this space in between the second coming that we are waiting for, where he comes again and brings his kingdom in full. So we're in that kind of space of waiting, and what Advent does is it gives language to that space, to that period of, Jesus, not all is well yet. And the Old Testament echoes this same waiting, where they were waiting for this promised Messiah, in the same way that we are waiting for his second coming. But in the waiting, we get to experience his peace. That is a gift he has given us, because he is peace and he is light. And as we walk through the shadowy darkness, we trust him and we look at his light and we trust his good plans for us. So this morning we're going to be looking at this prophecy about the Messiah King coming. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. So Isaiah spoke this prophecy when the people of Israel were in deep darkness. By the time that Isaiah comes on the scene as a prophet, the descendants of Abraham and the dynasty of David, we talked about that in our series on David, those descendants were not trusting in the promises of God. 
they, instead of aligning themselves with the promises of God, they were aligning themselves with many of the promises of the world. And consequentially, the, the fears of the world. And instead of being this great blessing to the nations around them, like God had intended, they were experiencing judgment. God had this high calling and mission for his people of Israel in which he called and chose and said, I want to make you a blessing and a light to the Gentile nations who don't know me. I want them to know who the one true God is because of you. And instead of looking to God's promises, their light was almost gone. And Isaiah is coming to talk to them, to prophesy to them, to call them back to trusting in God's promises. And so as part of Isaiah's calling, um, he has this supernatural vision, this crazy vision of God's throne. He sees God seated on the throne, and he sees these um, spiritual beings around the throne, and the spiritual beings are calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And as he sees this picture, he, he realizes his sinfulness and how he can't be in the presence of God with his sinfulness. And he, he realizes the sinfulness of the people that he represents, the people of Israel. And he thinks he is going to die in that supernatural encounter. And instead, he doesn't die, but one of the spiritual beings takes a coal um, from the altar, and it's hot with fire. And he touches his lips and he says that he is going to purify his lips in that moment, that he's removing evil and he's forgiving his sin. And in that experience, then now he is able to go and live the calling that God has for him, which is prophesying to the people that God has chosen and saying, come back to me. Come put your hope in my promises once again. So I, Isaiah goes to the people of Israel who are stuck in their sin and their rebellion, and he tells them that God is going to purify them as a nation in the same way that Isaiah experienced that purifying coal to his lips. And the process is, is not going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a process of, of judgment, really. God's going to allow things to happen. Enemies are going to come and destroy Israel, and he's going to allow that. But through this purification, God's glory is going to shine bright once again in the way that it was intended to shine, that that Israel is going to follow God faithfully. So the kingdom of Israel at this point with Isaiah is already split into two kingdoms, okay? There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom um, is called Israel. The southern kingdom is often called Judah. 
and the capital of Judah is Jerusalem, and they're split. The northern kingdom, they're both not following the Lord. <clears throat> but the dominant power of Assyria is coming and wants to take over and, um, and occupy their region. And, and the, the southern kingdom is being pressured to form an alliance against Assyria, and King Ahaz, the, the king of the southern kingdom, he refuses to form an alliance against Assyria. And instead, he actually calls on the king of Assyria and says, hey, I need your help. And so he, the, the Assyrian empire, they spare the southern kingdom, Judah. They take and capture the northern kingdom. But the consequence of King Ahaz calling on Assyria is that now they have to... Um, they have to pledge them and give them money. They still have to pay a large tribute, and they become a vassal kingdom to the empire. So what happens is they're all, they're all under uh, the authority of the Assyrian empire, and they are mistreated. And so Assyria poses this huge threat to God's people of wiping them off the map. But God spares them despite their disobedience and he says, what's going to happen is there's going to be destruction that's going to look like just stumps. Israel is going to look like just stumps. The, the nation is going to be destroyed and burned to stumps. Isaiah 6.13 says, the country will look like pine and oak forest with every tree cut down. Every tree a stump, a huge field of stumps. But... There's a holy seed in those stumps. So here's the context that we talk about. That the shoot of Jesse is coming from this stump. That in, within judgment and within the burnt stumps, there's a promise. There's a shoot that's going to come to fruition in the future. So stumps look dead, right? There's no tree, there's no branches, there's no greenery. But unless you like dig out the stump and dig out all the roots, there's, there's still life there. And, and so God promises that, that within what seems dead, Life will grow. Life will grow. And this new life is going to be a king who's going to come as a child, who's going to be born of a virgin, that out of the stump of Jesse, which is the line of David, a shoot will grow, a little green shoot. Have you ever experienced a season of deep darkness in your own life? The weight, where you felt the weight of the world, the darkness of our world. You know, I was listening to Dan's sermon. Uh, I was running this week listening to Dan's sermon, catching up. He told a lot of stories about our time in Wisconsin, and a similar story came to my mind where we lived in northern Wisconsin at Wheaton College's camp, 
And we would host, uh, in the wintertime, various groups who would uh, have like their winter retreat there, you know, so much fun, tons of snow. They would play broom ball and go tubing and have worship and go snowshoeing. It was, it was magical, okay? And one of the highlights of people's retreat was having a, a roaring fire out on the frozen lake, okay? And we would make s'mores and roast marshmallows, and it was uh, an amazing experience. So the group would go on this night hike together, and they would go on one of our trails um, through the forest until they would like kind of see this orange glowing in the distance, and they would be like, oh yeah, that's the fire, we're gonna get there. And they'd make it through the forest until it opened up, you know, into the, to the lake. And then they would get there in this orange, warm glow because it was often below zero, easily. Um, so the fire was a, a welcomed sight. And it was like, wow, we're standing on this frozen lake and we're roasting marshmallows and you have to take off your glove and make your little s'more. And it was a, a crazy experience. Nowhere else do you really get to do something quite like that. Well, um, to enjoy this lovely experience, um, I had to go out by myself in the forest to go make that lovely roaring fire, okay? And it was very terrifying at first. You know, I would go just with my headlamp, and it, it, you know, I don't have a group of people with me, it's just me going through the dark and scary forest out to the lake. And, I don't know if you've ever been in um, the forest at night in the dark, but it's kind of scary, right? There's, there's shadows and, and noises, and if you raise your head up, um, your, your headlamp might even like catch the reflection of some little beady eyes in the forest, and you're not even sure what kind of animal that is, and so you just put your head down, and to not be so terrified, I would just be like, okay, I'm just looking at the light in front of me. I'm just looking at the light in front of me. I'm not going to look up until I get to the lake. And slowly my courage grew with these um, experiences. But I was just trying to make it out there. And I would have my backpack full of kindling and matches because we didn't cheat on making fires, right? We had to make them with our own skill. And it was just like you, this race to get out there and make a fire fast enough so that when the group comes, it's actually like big and warm and inviting, right? So I'd have my backpack full of kindling and I'd be gathering my logs from a nearby shelter racing and hoping I can make this wonderful experience for the group to come out. And Jesus is like this big, warm, glowing fire in the midst of the cold and dark, fearful times that Israel was experiencing and that you and I experience. This is what John says about Jesus. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's the fulfillment of Isaiah's 
prophecy that he spoke to Israel long ago, that there was a light coming to their dark, oppressed experience, their war-stricken circumstances. A light was coming. The Savior was coming. Here's some more of those prophetic words in Isaiah 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will, be, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So the hope of the world, the light of the world is that Jesus has come and his kingdom has come that his government will have no end. It will be a government of peace. That our king is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's everlasting father. He's prince of peace. These are the words that we sing, the scriptures that we read during the time of Advent. You know, the spirit of God was rested on David during his kingship. We read about that and we talked about that. But the Spirit of God rested on King Jesus in a, a threefold fullness when he came. So back in our scripture 11, <clears throat> in Isaiah 11, the Spirit of wisdom rested on King Jesus, wisdom and understanding, which made him a perfect leader. Then he had the spirit of counsel and might, which gave him the ability to, to perfectly carry out the plans of the Father. And he had the spirit of knowledge and fear of God, because he perfectly submitted to the Father. The gift of his kingdom, of his government, is that his peace will never end for you and I. <clears throat> Our hearts find peace when we say yes to God's kingdom, when we align with what he desires here on earth. We experience his everlasting peace. Peace comes when we submit to his leadership over our lives. 
You know, the world is noisy and chaotic, and there's suffering and sin in our own lives. And Jesus' kingdom is the antidote to the brokenness of this world. The peace of Jesus comes as we seek his counsel and might, his strength and wisdom. When we turn away from trusting in our own efforts, our own ego, our own protection of ourself, God offers us a different way to live in his peaceful kingdom. The peace of Jesus comes as we receive the forgiveness of sins. He gives us the ability to become holy and whole because peace is a holistic experience. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Left to our own selves, we just add to the chaos and injustice. But when we submit and offer ourselves to our glorious Savior, he brings us everlasting peace. And then he gives us the experience of embodied peace by breathing the Holy Spirit into us. And John tells us, but when the Father sends the advocate as my rep, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We say yes to his everlasting peace. And we experience it by the embodiment of the Spirit inside of us. So <clears throat> I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And my call to action to you today is when you go and pray this week, or you're just in your house, okay, light a candle somewhere and have it remind your senses, your body, like, God, thank you for being the light and the peace during this season. And then just have that as a reminder. Take one of these scriptures and meditate on them. Where do you notice peace? What promise is there of peace? And then ask God, where do you need to experience his peace? I, I even love this um, Psalm 23. You know, it's such a familiar passage, right? It's so familiar. But something that struck me when I'm thinking about Advent and the peace is that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not death, it's the shadow of those things. Because God protects us and gives us everlasting peace. That in the midst of the darkness and the suffering, there is his light and his peace. So take this, this week, meditate on it, experience it, ask for you to be filled with his peace. That's his desire for you. So let's pray. 
Jesus, we come to you and we live in your everlasting peace. Thank you for being the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you for being these things for us so that we can enter in to your everlasting kingdom. God, we worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.